0: You're listening to the Mile You're In podcast, everything running related from 100 meters to 100 miles. And now, here's your host, Phil Patterson Jr. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Mile You're In podcast. As promised, I'm back in this week with the special guest that I was supposed to have last week. So, as always, before we get into the fun and everything you're waiting for, I have to quickly just make sure I shout out my three continuous and loyal supporters on Patreon. Um, I won't even mention the cities because I think by now you guys already have them locked down, but Becky, Francine, and Mr. Anonymous, who continues to remain anonymous, I thank, thank the three of you for continuously supporting each and every month. Again, if you guys are interested the link is in the show notes you know where to find it if not reach out to me i'll give you the information but right into it because as i mentioned last week y'all i'm I'm staying up late for this you know she's on the west coast so it's still early but for me i gotta go to work in the morning so we're gonna jump right into this special guest welcome to the show Risa foster
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: so is it still like because uh Right. Lately, the last two weeks that I've gone out running, like it seems like the whole day, like early morning, late night. What's what's like out when you look out the window right now? Is it is the sun still out for you?
1: Yeah, the sun's still out for me.
0: All right, because I noticed it's been getting darker later here. In yeah. The- so I, I know that time change is coming, like early. Yeah, November. in the next
1: couple of weeks, I think so.
0: Yeah. It's like as soon as
1: you get used to it, they change it up on us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
0: so before we get into the, the deeper stuff, something that as I was, you know, finding out more information on you. Well, actually, before we even get to that, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the listeners a little bit about you.
1: Uh Yeah, so... Uh, my name is Risa Foster, I am from California, um, born and raised and I, um, I ran track at the University of Oregon. I um, ran the 100 hurdles and I also long jumped, those are my two primary events. And then um, now I am back in California training as a professional athlete. Um, and I also work part-time as a medical assistant in a cardiovascular center. And then I also kind of coach on the side too. So that's, that's kind of what I'm up to lately.
0: All right. So we'll get into actually the question I was going to ask you, I, I realized, let me, let me push that back. Cause I think it's going to, going to flow better with something I asked you a little bit later on. Uh, but you talked about 100 meter hurdles and the the long jumping. Uh, what really like made you get into that? Because I know when you think of 100 meters, everybody thinks of this, just the straight sprinting, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't always, or at least people that aren't really into track and field, don't always think of hurdles or even long jumping. So what was it that made you get into that compared to some of the more, what some would say more popular um, events?
1: Yeah, so um growing up actually um my main sport was soccer. Um that was kinda my main thing until I got into middle school. Um and then I got into track. I did track a little bit in elementary school, but I was really small. I'm (laughs) kinda short. I'm only five three. So like in like growing up I was always like really small (laughs) compared to everyone else. Um so it just took me a while to kinda kinda figure things out um in the world of track and field. But um I kinda really got into it. Um at like the end of like middle school going into high school uh, my dad was also um he ran for jamaica he ran the 110 hurdles so track has always kind of been in my life in some capacity um but i didn't really start to kind of like take it seriously for myself until i got into high school and then i joined a um a summer club and um i kind of that's kind of got the ball rolling from there so yeah
0: so being five three do you find that as a disadvantage to competitors that are taller with longer legs or is it kind of that doesn't that's not a factor
1: um i think uh growing up like maybe like in high school i think it was a little bit of a disadvantage for me um because I don't know, I feel like, you know, when you're taller, you can kind of extend a little bit more um, into the pit and like, it's a little bit easier to get over the hurdles. You kind of, your technique is slightly different from people who um, are taller. Um, so I think like I, I used to be a little bit of a disadvantage, but I think I'm now like I'm really strong and I feel like from my height to weight to strength ratio, I've kind of, um, compensated for that. So I don't necessarily think of it as a disadvantage at this point, it's just kind of, it's how it's always been. So, you know, I don't know anything different. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, now with, be, you know, this is a little bit jumping ahead with one of the questions too, but I always wondered this with, with different track and field athletes. Uh, if you could participate in any other event, which would you choose?
1: Oh, um, that's a tough one. I think probably the pole vault. Um, I think that's one of the events that i know absolutely nothing about i actually did the heptathlon when i was in high school and um i was recruited um, by a couple schools for the heptathlon um so i've done a lot of events but pole vault is something i've never done and it seems really scary but i think it'd be pretty cool to to know how to do i think uh, people who do the pole vaulter are um should be applauded
0: (laughs) that's i was actually thinking about that because i went Running today before doing this episode, and I was thinking because I knew I was going to ask you that question. I was like, "What would I do?" And that was actually my answer. But the whole time I was thinking about it, I was just imagining like I would be afraid of the pole snapping.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It seems so scary.
0: Like that, and then I saw it was like a couple of days ago. Like it was how interesting it is for the poll voters that have to travel with that pole. Yeah and watching this i don't know who i don't remember what country it was but he was traveling and i think he was going to the world championships with it but just uh-huh. having to walk through the airport with this like i i don't know why but i assumed it like would be kind of like a fishing pole where you can twist it yeah. and then fold it up type <laughs> thing
1: yeah but, yeah and it's kind of a hassle to travel with those on planes sometimes
0: but i think like especially again going like with the height i would think it would just be fun to like be able to go that high and just be free and feel
1: flying in the air yeah
0: (laughs) so and especially now that you mentioned doing multiple events um in the past like many people think that all you do at this point especially like if we're focusing more on let's say hurdles or jumping like those two events many people and I'll, i'll throw myself in there being included until i dug deeper into and started interviewing more athletes, I figured you guys just kind of like just practice jumping hurdles the entire time or just running and jumping. But there's, I've discovered there's more to it um, when it comes to practicing that technique and everything that goes with it. So what, what's like a typical training routine for you? Um, Not just for jumping, but for the hurdles as well. I would think, they kind of tie in a little bit since they involve jumping but what's that like for you like a typical routine
1: yeah so I mean now I um only long jump so I um I don't really hurdle anymore now in competition um so as of right now like a typical day um so like Mondays and Fridays sometimes Wednesdays like I'll lift um either the morning or afternoon it kind of depends I train with um a college team so it's I kind of have to rely on their schedule a little bit with like the practices, but um, we would have like weights in the morning and then in the afternoon we would have um, practice at the track. And so like Mondays are usually like a little bit um, harder days like um, at the track. And I do a lot of like sprints and um, like plyometric like training um so I don't really do a lot of like jumping in the pit like in the sand um until maybe like six weeks like into training um I kind of get some more like foundational um work in and then um even when I do have like the jump specific stuff um, I would say it's like maybe like once a week, maybe twice a week. Um, but for the most part, I kind of train like a sprinter. Sometimes I, I run with like the quarter milers and we do some like repeat, like 200s or 250s. Um, maybe like once or twice a week. Like right now we have hills on Wednesdays. Um, Tuesdays are like sleds and plyometrics and stuff with the weight vests. And then Mondays and Fridays. Um, I have like running stuff like on the track. Sometimes it'll be Fridays are usually a little bit faster. So like, The other day I had like six like fast 150s Um, and like Mondays can be anywhere from kind of like tempo to speed endurance. So it really could just just kind of depends on like where we're at in the training and then also um, kind of like when I'm planning to like compete and like looking at the long term goals and making sure that like my training is sustainable um, for the whole year and the season and everything. So. Um, It kind of varies depending on where I'm at in the season.
0: All right. I asked that because I, uh, I think it was last year. Time's going by so fast, but I had interviewed a coach who was mostly a hurdler at the time Mm -hmm. up until becoming a coach. And now she was like, now I have to train and coach all these different events and athletes where I'm just, you know, coming from a hurdler background. And I, I watch a lot of her videos and some of the things, just like the landing techniques and just like working on the hips for yeah. for that movement. So it was, it's things like that that got me thinking like, wow, there's more that goes into it than just, okay, run really fast and jump as far as you can. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, absolutely.
0: Um, now, kind of touching back when I was thinking about the height, I also think, I wonder how this factor, because you did do indoor and outdoor. Um, mm-hmm. One thing... I always get kind of mixed uh, responses when I ask this. And obviously it depends because weather changes all the time. So even Mm -hmm. from one heat to another, it may not always be the same. But other than like a wind effect, uh, did you feel you performed better indoors versus outdoor? And if so, like, was there any reason or you were kind of just consistent no matter indoor or outdoor?
1: Um, I think I did a little bit better outdoors um, this year. I think that like on paper, like my my marks were were better um, outdoors as well. Um, I don't think my progression was the way that I would have liked it to be. Um, but um, yeah, I think overall I probably did better outdoors. I pr'd outdoors and it was one legal. Um, so that was nice. Um, so yeah, I think overall probably outdoors
0: okay so now we backtrack a little bit Mm -hmm. um what because i know sometimes you like to stay closer to home sometimes it's just the options you get when you're recruited um there's like many different factors that come into why a student athlete chooses an individual school so what made you choose oregon over any other opportunity that you had out there at the time
1: yeah so i wanted to stay in california um so when i was in high school i was actually looking at um usc like i was really kind of um set on going there um but it was a little bit difficult for me um in the recruiting process because i got injured my junior year so my senior year you know they are schools are usually reaching out to you like the end of your junior year beginning of your senior year um based off of your marks from junior year um so it was a little bit tough to um kind of um like get schools to like talk to me because they didn't have anything to go off of they only had marks for my sophomore year and then they didn't know how to perform my senior year because um, track is you know in the spring right. so I had to kind of like reach out to the schools and say hey like this is my best mark I'm you know ready to go for this year and um, kind of reach out that way and I um, I think I don't remember if I reached out to Oregon or they reach out to me but I wasn't really interested in Oregon actually like I didn't want to go out of state um, I wanted to be somewhere like in LA or something um, a little bit closer to home, but just enough to where I felt like I had like my own space. I um, was like four hours away from where I grew up. So um, it's a little bit of space there. Um, but when I went to my visit in Oregon, cause I didn't want to go. And my parents were like, oh, just, you know, if anything, it's a free visit. You just have to see what they have to offer and all that good stuff. And in high school, I wasn't really paying attention to like, national titles like i did not really keep up with like the ncaa championship so like i didn't really understand um their kind of history that they had there and so when i went on my visit um <clears throat> that was all kind of like shocking to me and i realized how many professional athletes that they had come out of that school and national sure. champions yeah. national record holders and there was um another girl um jenna Prandini. we were from the same um the same town. And I knew her when she was in high school. And so she was still at Oregon at the time. And so I sat down and had a conversation with her and ultimately it was just like, if I want to be the best of the best, like, this is a place that, um, I need to be at. Um, and I meshed really well with the, the people that were there and the coach and he was really, um, excited for me for, you know, how I, how I would finish like my, my high school career and also, um, kind of just looking at film from high school he saw a lot of potential in me for my collegiate career and i just didn't have any other coaches kind of say hey like you like this might be what your marks are right now but i see you doing a lot more um and so he was really enthusiastic about kind of my future and I think that's kind of just what sold me. I ended up verbally committing, um, on my visit there. So that was definitely unexpected because I didn't really want to go there in the first place. I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, so I'm definitely glad I made that choice.
0: And that's, that's something I always wonder is that with the, the, the school, like, I think like locally here, I know not as much recently as like the early two thousands, but, like um football everybody kind of wanted to go there or um at the time usc was also still really good with reggie bush and, and my heart and all those guys so you think of track and field and especially then you got i think it, i forget the name don't, you, don't don't hate me it's hayward like the whole
1: field yeah
0: yeah so <laughs> like you know then you got that like that's like like a historical location um yeah. and i think y'all got like isn't this like the seventh time in like nine years they're going to have like the championships or something Mm -hmm. yeah i've seen this whole debate about that on twitter like yeah there's nowhere else (laughs) so like it's just there's so much like you said so much history of people that have come out of there Mm -hmm. um i know i reached like a couple years ago i had sabrina sutherland on um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah yeah we were roommates
1: <laughs> oh you were okay because I, yeah, we
0: <laughs> I had her and chanel price and they kind of told me about okay. their, their friendship and how they pushed each other and yeah. just um like i always wonder like do some people choose when they have those options do they choose maybe a lesser popular school where they might fly under the radar a little bit knowing i'll still get the attention somewhere else but maybe not have so much pressure on me so you wouldn't say like that altered any I mean I know you just you made the decision but that wasn't in the back of your mind at all like not performing to a level that's kind of expected at a school like that
1: yeah um I think for me like I liked that kind of pressure I felt like If I want to be the best, like I want to train next to the best people Mm -hmm. in the country, like the best collegiate, and I want to train next to them every day. That way, once I get into a competition, like there is no reason to be nervous or scared or afraid or anxious because like the girl that I train next to every day is the fastest in the NCAA. So no one is more intimidating than the girl I train with every day. So that was kind of like my mindset going into things. And um, I wanted to be challenged every day and um work up towards you know what some of the people on my team were accomplishing and i wanted to pick their brains and kind of um grow alongside them and i'm like hey you know just take me for the ride take me with you you know (laughs) so that was kind of kind of my mindset going into it so
0: and and that's the thing um you know i always i take things and and i relate them to each other when it comes to sports and life and that's a big thing is we always say if you surround yourself with a certain group of people it's going to challenge you to become better and if you're with the wrong people you're going to fall down the wrong path and that's it's the same thing with sports Um, I talk about it a lot where when I was racing 5ks locally there was one guy in my age group that was beating me every single week and Mm -hmm. I knew if I could hang with him that you know, the goals that I had set for myself, I was going to reach because if I kept training by myself or with people that were slower than me, it was not going to push me to those levels and, and I was going to get over the hurdle. So, so yeah, like you said, I like that because it is a lot of times people do avoid those challenges. Uh, last, my last episode, I talked about being content. Uh, so I think some people avoid that, but it's not a content thing. They're just complacent and they don't want the stress that comes with challenging and going for goals. So um, it's good to see when people don't just sit at that level of success and they try to achieve more uh, and they find the right people that can push them. Now you talked about injuries in high school, and that's kind of something that followed you a little bit into college as well, um, because I know, Again, doing, doing some of the research of your history in just a six-month period, you tore your plantar fascia, fascia which mm-hmm. I, I've I've had an issue with that, and that's not fun. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's not. <laughs> then you strained your hamstring, and then you tore an ankle ligament. Yeah. What, what toll did that take on you, and how did you remain positive through that? Because I know for a lot of people, it's like after you get so many back to back and you can't get back into a rhythm. Some people just give up and say, okay, my, my body's not built for this anymore.
1: Yeah. Um, that, um, time was really tough because it was my senior year and I didn't have, this was right after COVID. So, um, COVID kind of shut everything down right at the end of indoors. Like I was at the um, NCAA um, indoor championships, um, at the time that, you know, we got sent back home. This was the day before I was supposed to compete. So I lost my indoor season. And so I still had an outdoor season. And so I really only had, I think, like three or four months to, to compete and kind of like give it my best shot. And then I had all these injuries back to back. And so that was like really tough. It was hard because it's like, this is it, you know. And then I also had the goal of going, um Um, Pro um, after I finished and I knew that if I wanted to make some money or get a contract or negotiate for a contract I would have to um, Put um, good numbers out there and I'd have to perform and so with all of these injuries kind of piling on it was definitely really difficult, but, um, I kind of just relied heavily on my faith and just said, you know, it's going to work out the way that it's supposed to work out. Like I'm doing everything in my power to try to, you know, stay healthy and stay on top of things. And these things kind of just keep getting thrown at me. Um, so ultimately I was just kind of like, you know, it is what it is at this point. Um, there's no point in kind of like sulking or being like sad about it because at that point I had, um, I think I tore the ankle ligament at PAC 12 and so two weeks later it was regionals. And then two weeks after that was national. So I'm like, I don't have time to like, um, think too much about it. Like I just have to take it day by day and do as much as I can up until, you know, these, um, championship meets. Um, so that's kind of how I, how I dealt with that. I had to just kind of brush it off because of the time crunch um, so yeah. <laughs> and
0: did you, do you think, or did the medical staff trainers and, or maybe even you, cause you're, you're going towards that profession, uh, as far as being a doctor, you might've even known this at this point. Do you feel like those three injuries, um, were caused by each other? Because I know, uh, when it comes to like planters. Fasciitis. A lot of times, we're told about stretching your calves and your hamstrings, like the, those back leg muscles, because they sometimes can contribute to that. Do you feel like those were were related at all, or just just three random injuries at the time?
1: Um. Yeah, that's a good question. At the time, I feel like they probably weren't related because the plantar fascia. Um, that was an injury that I was dealing with kind of throughout the fall season and then moving into outdoors and then right as i was kind of recovering from that was then i had the hamstring um strain and so i mean the they might have been um related because you know when you have an injury you kind of your body naturally kind of overcompensates to um to kind of make you comfortable um so it's possible that those two could have been related but then when i injured my ankle um, it was actually just how i landed in the pit Um, so when i landed my feet kind of just dug a little bit too deep in the sand and so when i went to sweep um, and my butt kind of swept through i landed right on my foot and so like my ankle got stuck in the sand and you know all that impact kind of just went straight into my foot Um, so that's kind of how i how i tore some of those ligaments in my ankle but yeah, so kind of seemingly unrelated, possibly two that could be related. But yeah, so I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering because again, I've dealt, I've dealt with it. My knock on wood has been, with the help of inserts in my running shoes has helped. Um, but I know, like you said, the compensating starts You know, as I would run before I figured out the insert thing and everything and stretching certain ways. Right. I, I was, I was landing my stride and gait became different to try to avoid aggravating the fascia. And then I started having pl- um, patellar issues or IT band issues and, and things like that. So it made me wonder, cause I'm like, those three are kind of all tied in, but then it made me wonder, and you, you just touched on it. Like, I'm surprised that jumpers don't have more injuries, or at least I just don't hear about them as more as much, because like you said, like the impact and the way like when i watch you guys especially in slow motion because it doesn't look as bad in full speed but sometimes when i watch slow motion videos of you guys and the way your legs sometimes look like they're hyper extending or buckling under you guys like i've never done the research but like how deep if you know like is the sand bed that you guys are landing in like is there a preference of like like harder like if it rains and the sand is kind of harder and compacted like do you have a preference? And, and like, what's your experience with that? Like preference?
1: Um. Yeah, I'm not sure actually how like deep the sand pits go. I thought about that a few times, but I don't know if I've actually ever like researched it. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely when you're um, jumping, you want the sand to be like pretty... Like wet, So sometimes you'll see like when prepping for like meats or sometimes in between like events, they'll be watering down the, um, the sand pit. So it's not too like, um, I guess like dry. Cause if it's dry, then you kind of tend to just like slide over the top versus like if the sand is like wet and like really like soft, it's like, it really softens the impact. So if they don't like wet down the sand and like dig it up, then this top part might be kind of like soft but then the um like the next layer under is like gets really hard and like compact so um yeah people you just have to do a good job when you're kind of like preparing the pit um before competitions or like even practices and stuff you kind of have to um dig deep with the, the shovel when you're kind of turning the pit so
0: and do you guys have? Because this was something I learned as well. Um, the dif- depending on distances and events, the spikes are different. So, are the spikes a lot different from like hurdlers and and like the shorter sprinter distances?
1: Like yeah. Um. So with like the compared to. So long jump spikes are different from triple jump spikes, which are different from sprint spikes, which are different from high jump spikes. It kind of just depends on um, the kind of impact that you make when you're planting. So, for example, um, sprint spikes, like they're, they don't really have a heel on them. And um, jump spikes, they do have a heel because when you're planting, your whole entire foot is, um kind of impact in the the ground versus like sprinting it's kind of just the ball of your foot or like your toes um and so that's kind of where most of the support is in sprint spikes and then um jump spikes the plate underneath also is a lot more stiff um, because again you're dealing with a lot more impact um, when you're taking off and when you're landing and um, like when you're bounding things like that um and then triple jump spikes the plate is um, it's stiffer, but it's also a lot thicker because you're having, you know, three jumps instead of one and you have to jump off both feet. So, um, yeah, it kind of just depends on like the biomechanics of the event and where the support in your feet um, is needed.
0: So if you're thinking of doing multiple events, like you said there, so now I'm thinking how much money you guys are having to spend on all those different spikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they we, we joke. We say you thought running was going to be a cheap sport, but it's, yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: when
0: you count up all that, especially if you, I didn't realize I knew, I, again, I knew there were like a few differences, but I didn't know for the different jumps and all of that. So, mm-hmm. wow. And I just actually looked it up. The, the minimum the pit has to be is um not even a foot like 0.98 feet so yeah i i just assumed because it's concrete under there i've seen them i that's where i'm I'm surprised people don't get hurt now that i see it's not even that deep (laughs) and the force some of you guys land in so yeah that's crazy (laughs) um now you mentioned um, the becoming a Nike, Nike athlete. And mm-hmm. I know, cause I remember I was reading part of what you were talking about in one of your posts about that. How did that feel? Um, and and did you expect that opportunity to get signed with the way things were going, especially leading up to what you expected and how your senior year and everything went? Is that something you were expected expecting with maybe not not even specifically Nike but just in general like any brand offering you a contract um and then when you got it how like how did other than we know you were excited but how did you feel
1: yeah um I was definitely excited I knew that it would be um a little bit I wouldn't say like a long shot but I knew it wasn't going to be something that was like a given i knew some negotiation would have to um happen in order for me to get a contract just because of the way that um, my season ended um i didn't make it into finals in uh, the ncaa championships and i was like okay maybe if i do really well at the u.s championships that was i think the olympic trials at the time if i'm yeah that was the olympic same year as the olympic trials so that was two or three weeks later and so i'm like okay well let me try to make the the final for this and then I ended up fouling all three jumps. So that definitely didn't do me any favors when I'm, you know, trying to get a contract. And, you know, I understand the business side of things and there's um, you know, you want to see the numbers and the the performances and you want your athlete to be, you know, reliable and everything like that. So I knew it was um not um a given. Obviously it was a goal of mine going into the year. Um but being at Oregon and all the strong connections that they had with Nike and um, my coach had good relationships with some of the people um, who dealt with uh, contracts and the agents and things like that. So he um, at the time helped um, negotiate that contract and some of the terms. And um, so that's kind of kind of how it turned out. Um, but, yeah, I was really excited um, that to get anything. I'm like, even if you just give me clothes, like I'll be happy with that. <laughs> I know that ultimately like I didn't perform um when it counted and so like I get that from you know if someone is looking at me trying to you know make a contract and give me money like you know it's just I understand that that it's also a business and there's not a lot of money in track and field especially in field events so I knew I would have to put my best foot forward and i didn't do that so I was really grateful that um my coach was there to to really put in a good word for me and um help negotiate some of those terms
0: all right so and actually I should say and I, I said it, I think I said it, I know, but congratulations on that because I know that's that's huge and I've interviewed many athletes that to this day are still trying to get some sort of deal um mm-hmm. some some contract so congratulations on that thank you <laughs> Um, now what I was going to ask you, and then I, I, I decided to push it back a little bit again, doing the research, I discovered like me, you're a Gemini
1: <laughs> and
0: I know we get a lot of, as soon as people hear that they, they instantly put us in this little category. Um, I am guilty of at times having that mood swing or sometimes they call us bipolar, uh, attitude. <laughs> Um, for me, it's now that I'm more into the ultra distances. So I'm out there doing hundred mile races. It gives me way more time to have that roller coaster of emotions, um, to where I can go from the highest high to the lowest low. Yeah. So I think of, in your case, the meets can last, you know, cause you're, like you said, you have multiple jumps and especially if you're doing, um, you know, a big event like that, you might not do everything in one day. It might be spread out. You might have rounds and heats and things like that. Did that, is that something you've dealt with? Like with the mood swings or you always just kind of steady, calm, cool, collected under pressure?
1: Yeah. um, I feel like I've never really um, related to like a lot of the, Uh, qualities that Gemini's have Um, so I feel like I'm like that doesn't really apply to me so I don't know I don't really like keep up with like a lot of that stuff but as far as like the mood swings um, I think that for the most part I'm pretty like cool calm and collected when I'm competing I (laughs) I remember one of my friends told me like are you even like excited I'm like I'm like screaming inside but like (laughs) on the outside I'm just like I usually try to keep um my composure like um but I think sometimes um I did definitely struggle with like getting really frustrated like internally and that's something that I've continued to to work on um if you know I have maybe like a series of six jumps and like the first jump okay maybe it was a foul or it wasn't that good and then the second jump okay maybe that one wasn't that good and so like I would like mentally it would like take a toll on me like I would really be eating myself up like oh my gosh like what am I doing I need to get it together like I just did this in practice the other day and like I'm kind of just like spiraling inside even though on the outside it's like oh yeah she looks great but um so yeah I think that's something that I definitely struggled with in the past but I think it's I'm a work in progress. I think um, I've I've gotten a lot better at that, um, especially over the last year, and I think it's definitely shown in um, some of my performances. So um, yeah, I can definitely relate to the the mood sling thing. I think it's just a little bit <laughs> more internal for me. Yeah,
0: I and again another reason I ask that because even I, I think back when I was in high school, I wrestled, and I'll never forget the one tournament I was in, and I was wrestling this kid from Miami and Miami wrestlers at least at the time were known for being a little chippy and doing some stuff after the whistle and this one particular guy would just it was late shots cheap shots and one time threw me into like we were we were heading out of bounds and you know your when you wrestle you know your boundaries you know where you're at and I think he knew we're getting close to the out of bounds and as the ref was blowing the whistle and he felt me let up I felt him grip stronger and just throw me (laughs) straight into the first row of the bleachers and like everybody went crazy and like they're expecting me to now get up and you know retaliate do something yeah yeah and I just get up and I'm like like you said, like internally I'm like, okay, if I react to this, you know, I'm gonna either get disqualified or I'm gonna lose that composure. And that's what he the mind games he wants to get in my head. And I just I got up and just started kind of like laughing. And I didn't even realize I was doing it until somebody told me. They're like like it, it just they they told me what I was doing and I it was almost like I I didn't realize it. It was out of body experience. All a blur, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, it's like I see that, and then I go into another match where somebody does that, and I'm frustrated, and things aren't working, and now I start retaliating, and it's like that mood swing. Where if I'm in the good mood, I can, I can dial it in and control it. But if I'm not in a good mood, then like everything just falls apart, and I lose yeah. focus, and everything yeah. that I that I perfected during training just went out the window. So I always wonder how that works because I know for me, at least personally, the farther I went in a tournament or meet or whatever it was, I got more like locked up. Like the pressure for me wasn't wasn't good. So um, Mm -hmm. when I see what you professionals at this point are even able to do, like I couldn't imagine being at world championships in front Mm -hmm. of all those people knowing they're watching you at that point um i give you guys a lot of props for that
1: <laughs> thanks
0: something yeah. you mentioned um very briefly but i know and i've seen more again as i follow you um you mentioned in your bio uh romans eight twenty eight, and i mm-hmm. feel like that fits your story very well because despite the outcome at the end of even now I didn't really know too much about your high school, junior, senior year and injuries. Uh, but knowing the outcome at the end of high school, college, uh, the Olympic trials, it's it's not over. And now it's actually taking another step in a in a in that journey. Mm-hmm. And even I think something that's worked for me with the whole mood swing thing is my faith knowing that plays a role in it. So how do you feel that's played a role in your journey, especially like when it came to the injuries and and staying positive and, and knowing that it's not always in your hands. There's him that's playing a role in a lot of what happens in our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I think that, uh, yeah, I feel like... <laughs> For me, I've always kind of felt like the underdog a little bit. Like I've always been in the mix, but never really like a threat to anyone. Like I've been good, but I've never been like the best or, um, like I've never, you know, won a national title or had, you know, a national record or school record. Um, I came very close to Oregon, but just missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there was always kind of like something thrown at me, like an injury or, um, and a lot of times my injuries at Oregon, like I, I never redshirted. A lot of my injuries were kind of like Okay, maybe we'll, you know, back off for like a couple weeks or a few weeks and then um, like you'll be good to go. But a lot of times like that was like at a crucial point in the season to where it's like, okay, I really have to focus on the long jump now because if I'm trying to hurdle and I'm trying to manage this injury, um, you know, that can be problematic because long jump, like I'm a contender for scoring points for the team. And so we were always kind of playing that game in seeing, you know, where can we um, get the most like out of this situation? And um, so, yeah, that was always definitely tough because it kind of I've always felt like I was kind of just being pulled in different directions. And as soon as I really start to see myself like, um, advance in like a lot of things or get better at certain things it's like oh my gosh! like then this other thing happens you know um so that was definitely really tough and even you know my first couple of years as a, a professional athlete um I felt like um that also happened a lot with me and when I graduated college my um One of my coaches, my hurdles coach, um, this is during my senior year and I was talking to him and it was kind of towards the end of my senior year. I still wanted to hurdle, but I know that like long jump was kind of like, um, you know, my, my main event and where I would, um, kind of where my my future would be in in the long jump. But this was kind of my, my last opportunity to run the hurdles and I felt really good. Training was good, but, um, you know, kind of dealing with the injury and wanting me to be healthy. I was kind of talking to him and, you know, he told me he was like, um, I don't remember what exactly he said, but something something to the extent of just like, you are a really good athlete. You can run so much faster than the times that you put out there and you can jump so much further, but it's like, you just haven't been given like a fair shot. Um, he's He was like, you just can't catch a break for, you know, whatever reason. Um, and like that, like meant a lot to me because even though, you know, a lot of my numbers weren't where I wanted them to be, like he saw that in me and he saw that I had a lot of potential and like work ethic and, um, uh, discipline to like be successful. And he was just like, you know, if you put everything together. Like you could be a dangerous athlete. I was like, yes, that's what I love to hear. Um, (laughs) You see me. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was definitely like really hard for me for a long time to kind of like find that balance of like, okay, when things aren't like working out, like, is it because like this just isn't meant for me? Like, is it because I've just kind of like, I've peaked already? maybe my body just can't handle it, um, it's just not in the cards for me, so I think I've dealt with that for a long time, kind of just like, you know, am, am I thinking that I'm better than I actually am, and I think last year after I kind of like dealt with a lot of the um, expect like exter- external expectations, but also just like I put so much pressure on myself because I'm like, okay, I went to Oregon, I'm with Nike, like I have to be winning everything, and I have to like represent my alma mater, and you know, when people see like, oh, like you're a professional athlete, like, oh, like you're going to the Olympics, like you're going to world right. championships, like there's only so many spots that are on the team, and like it all has to be put together, like, On the right day at the right time Uh at you know that exact moment and there are so many athletes who like never made a team and they're certainly good enough to be on uh, a national team and go to worlds or um the olympics but at the end of the day like you have to put it together at the right time and you have to be healthy um and so yeah it was definitely like um, it's been a process for me. And so I feel like that I always like look back to that verse because I'm just like, okay, well, I'm still here and I still have my contract right now. I'm still competing, I'm healthy. So like, I know that I'm here for a reason and I'm supposed to be getting something out of this. And so that's why I always kind of like really lean heavily on um, my faith. And like, like I said, that verse specifically ever since I was in college, um, I really had to kind of just like, you know, take my hands off the wheel and just say, hey, like I've done everything I can in my human power to like be successful. And at the end of the day, like God is going to put me wherever I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there. So um, that's kind of my mindset now. Obviously, it's a lot harder. You know, it's easier said than done, obviously. Um, But, you know, it's something that, you know, you just have to actively work towards, especially when things aren't necessarily going your way.
0: And you know, I not to get preach here, but I always like and actually, you know what, I'm gonna take a second to shout out um Chris and Chris, or actually, I should see your wife. I need her to forgive me. I, I forget her name and I'm not going to say it wrong, but um a good friend of mine, Chris Williams and his wife have a show called The Unignorant Podcast. So if you guys are listening in, and you like other podcasts and you do believe in God or have faith, check them out because it's it's a funny but very powerful podcast. And when I was listening to it, the last episode, he had one of those moments where you're just as you're discussing faith, you just get a message. And as I was just listening to you talk about that, it's almost like I just received one because I thought about when I was trying to go sub 20 in a 5k and i've talked about this in many ways on the podcast a lot and i was training as hard as i could i was entering every weekend into another 5k i was getting faster um, but i just couldn't do it and the day i finally did it um, not only did i break it but i like broke it by like 19 seconds. So like it was not like I, I figured when I finally did it it was gonna be like nineteen fifty nine on the dot type of thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um but like that day like it just like you said everything came together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I was very grateful. I was very appreciative. One of the things I always um would pray about is to to stay humble because I did have a lot of success in a lot of the things I did when it came to athletics. But I noticed I would I would get that ego I would become cocky and then I would be humbled very quickly. So I always would pray to stay humble. And I just realized now as I was listening to you that I went down that path because I had broke I, I finally broke the twenty minute mark. And I remember the f- probably the next day I went and looked because it was down here locally. There's there's two major um, turkey day or turkey trot 5ks, and that was the day I, I did it. There's one on in Fort Lauderdale and one in a city called Tamarack. Tamarack is normally where like all the sub elite runners will go, like that's where the fastest runners will go. And then the Fort Lauderdale one is like everyone else goes to. So I finished this race, I run, I think it was 1941, which normally in 5ks down here you're like you're going to be top 5 top 6 something like that so i right. finished and i'm like i look at the results i'm like i'm not even top 3 in my age group i'm like i like how did i run this fast and i'm not even and it was almost like right there mm-hmm. like like it was like there you go the ego is kicking in you're you're not like you just finally accomplished the goal you were focused on and now you're worrying about all this other stuff that doesn't even matter And I I never made that connection until just now. And I'm thinking, like, had I, because I almost went to the Tamarack race, but I didn't because I was like, no, that's where everybody goes. If I go to this Fort Lauderdale one, I could, I could be top three. I could like be on the podium. And when I looked at the results, had I gone to the Tamarack one with that time, I would have been top three. But then I was like, no. Because, like we talked about earlier, all the faster runners came to this race, which is what finally pushed me to get past that barrier. Had I gone to the Tamarack race, I would have been back with the people that don't push me. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have broke it, and I would have been frustrated and just still searching. So it's it's that knowing he puts you where you need to be at the right time.
1: Yeah, Teach Teaching those lessons. Yeah. So, mm-hmm.
0: That's just, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I totally get it. I think sometimes like, and it's, I feel like oftentimes it's when you least expect it. Like my last meet, not this past season, but the season before, um, I had just decided, okay, like it was after um, US championships and I was like, okay, well, this is another meet. It's relatively close. Like I'll just enter in and just see what happens. Like it'll be the last one. It's, low pressure, like low stakes, I'll just drive down to San Diego, and I'll just go jump there. And I, every single jump ended up being a PR, and then I fouled, um, like, it was basically a 23 foot or 7 meter jump. And like, I I got out of the pit, and like, to me, like, I was like, okay, like, I felt like a decent jump. And I got out of the pit, and um, the one of the coaches who was there helping out and um raking he was like that was an amazing jump and I looked back at the film and I was like that was far like what the <laughs> heck like I don't even know I could like I've always wanted to jump that far you know but like I didn't think that I was ready to jump that far but I feel like even though it was a foul and like it's not like on paper or anything like to me it was just like okay like I'm I am supposed to be here. Like this is what I'm good at. Like I belong here. I belong competing with the professionals and like at the time I was really just like like have I peaked? Like do I still belong here? Like I was really questioning like do I keep going? Because I could just, you know, apply to medical school and just go that route and just like be done with this cuz like I was feeling really defeated and I Like, I went to this meet, and I was just like, all right, like, I'm just going to, like, turn off my brain, basically. And just, like, like, I had, like, two maybe, like, cues where I was like, okay, just, like, be aggressive and just punch the knee at the board. And that's all I did the whole time, and every single jump was better than any other jump I jumped in my entire life. (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, all right, I could could keep doing this for a little bit longer, so... (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, I, I get that sometimes it's when you when you least expect it. And um, but, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to.
0: So we look at as we get closer to wrapping this up, you you mentioned um, working towards becoming a doctor.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: one of the other things you've mentioned is you also coach your professional athlete. How do you balance it all the school coaching training, competing, but also keeping time for you personally because I know that's that's a thing if you don't take that, you get the burnout, the fatigue, you start to lose interest um sometimes the grind and that motivation isn't enough so how do you how do you balance that all and and stay sane at that point
1: <laughs> um well. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> people ask me all the time, they're like, how are you doing all this? I'm like, I don't know. And people like ask me to do things, ask me to coach, ask me to, you know, base it, whatever. Like, there's always a million things going on. And, like, I always say yes. And I'm like, I really need to work on that because like, I need to like say yes to myself every now and then and just be like, I'm just gonna stay home and sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> nobody talks to me. Nobody asks me to do anything um but yeah it's um it's definitely challenging like I wouldn't necessarily recommend it um but also like a this like busy lifestyle that I live like is the only one that I've ever known really like I'm so used to you know you have school all day and then you have practice and then you have homework and like you're kind of just like on this constant grind and so like at a certain point I kind of felt like if i was like sitting down, like being still, like I just felt like I was like useless. Like I'm like, I have to do something. I need to like help somebody out. I need to go coach somebody or whatever it is. Um, But I feel like now I've kind of like scaled back a little bit. Like I'm, I coach a little bit, but I'm like very cognizant of, okay, how's my body feeling? How, like, what do I need right now? Do I need to like recover? Do I need to say, hey, like I'm gonna take a week off or, you know, whatever it is. So I'm definitely like, learning how to kind of um put my like my physical like health first because i know as a professional athlete like you you have to like you have to be at your best you can com- you compete and you train at a very high intensity and um, a lot of volume and so your body just has to be able to handle that and if you have too much going on ultimately like it's just not gonna really do you a lot of good um, in the long run especially when you get to those um, meets later in the season in the spring when it counts. Um, so, um, yeah, I've definitely kind of like scaled back a little bit and kind of given certain people boundaries and was like, Hey, like I only have this much time. I can help out during this time frame, but this is like only for me and my recovery and like getting my massage and seeing the chiropractor doing whatever therapy I need. Um, and really like taking care of myself. Um, but yeah, so I've 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 only ever known um, being extremely busy, but I think ultimately it's just not sustainable. And I think I started to kind of realize that last year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working progress.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I like so did you was the becoming a doctor something that you decided after school or was that something you were working towards in school? was it a mid-school decision change? How did that come about?
1: Um, I have always wanted to be a doctor since I was like in high school. Um, So in undergrad, I uh, majored in general science and I focused on um, human physiology. And then um i also had a minor in chemistry and legal studies and then i got my master's in prevention science so that's kind of something that i've always been working towards um i think for a short period of time i was really considering doing like a phd in like clinical psychology maybe being like a therapist or something like that um and i think that kind of went along with like a lot of the um like mental struggles that i had like in college that we kind of touched on a little bit and i was just like i want to be someone that like people can come to like when they were like in my shoes because like i definitely like needed a little bit like more help and like i wanted to be that person for someone else And so I think that ultimately I kind of came back to my original goal to becoming a doctor, being a um, physician because I felt like I just could make more impact that way, Um, especially as like a a black female, like there's not a lot of black doctors in general, let alone black female doctors. So um, I felt like I could really make um, a big impact um, in in being a a physician and kind of um, a leader like in the community, so.
0: Well, it's it's not, when I think about it, you're still young. So I know a lot of people will put on that. You got to grind when you're young and you got to, you know, do it while you can mentality where I've started to meet a lot of people in their late thirties, forties, even fifties going back to school and doing, you know, I should have done this when I was young. So it's, it's a mix. You really have to. Again, you could be motivated, but that's only going to take you so far. You have to be dedicated to it and you have to really want what you're doing. I think that's why a lot of people, even afterwards, when they graduate college, they don't really continue with the sport that they were in love with because they kind of fall out of love with it just because of the grind all the time. Um, Or you see some athletes that switch sports and, and do things like that. So... Again, more props to you because you, you put a lot on your plate and, you know, obviously I can say when I was younger, you definitely have that more just naturally, that natural energy. So that, mm-hmm. that is on your side. Cause now, you know, when you start getting towards my age, start looking towards to those naps and, and things like <laughs> that in the middle of the I day. I still more to nap, so. Okay. Um... One other question. I know I didn't really throw this out there for us to possibly discuss. Um, but I, I, it's just something I thought about because I do typically like ask different athletes when it comes to this. And because I am, am kind of new to focusing on more of the non-distance type events, um, mm-hmm. everybody kind of just... I feel like the 100, the 4x1, the, like all those... And then, like I don't feel like a lot of people know about, like the other, like especially the field events. I feel like they get ignored. Um, I'll see yeah. a lot of posts about shot puts and, and javelin throws and like all these things, and I'm like, I, like sometimes you forget they're even a part of this because even, yeah. yeah, you don't see them really shown on TV. And you might see the the you know USA Track and Field Twitter or Instagram post these if they get like a medal in one of the big events, but otherwise you're really just seeing the sprinters. Um, And I know for me, what really started to get me into the long jumping was I started seeing a lot of stuff about, uh, or with like Tara Davis. Mm -hmm. And then I was like researching and I'm like, okay, well who are the other like top jumpers? And I'm like, I don't, I've never heard of any of these people. Like even like the international ones. I'm like, I like, Like that's the only person that I had heard. So I had to like start doing my own research. So would you say there are any of the, and they don't have to be U S based? So any long jumpers that you kind of look up to in the sport or, or would like, like to train with knowing that, you know, working with someone that's maybe gone a little bit farther or had a little more success would push you. Like, is there anyone you look up to or would like to work with, um, as you progress in, in the jumping?
1: Um, yeah, I think, um, one person that has always kind of, like, piqued my interest, and honestly, I didn't really, like, growing up, I didn't watch, like, track meets or anything, like, even in college, like, I didn't really keep up with, like, the international meets or, like, the diamond leagues, like, I was kind of just focused on myself and, like, what I was doing, like, I just wasn't super, like, well-versed in, um, you know, a lot of the amazing athletes that have gone to the Olympics and stuff, especially like in the field events, like you said, but, um, someone that I think I just kind of came across her, her page on like Instagram or something, but, um, Jasmine Sawyers from Great Britain, I, I don't know, there's just something about her that is just very like, um, like she just seems very like personable um, and she's very open about kind of like her struggles in the sport, like um, when she was kind of transitioning into being a professional athlete and um, how a lot of her uh, performances always like, they're not always like linear. It's not always gonna be this upward trend that, um, you know, that you kind of, you just see like snapshots on, you know, TV or on Instagram or social media or whatever. And so she's always been kind of like very transparent about like the day-to-day life of you know a professional athlete or professional long jumper and um so yeah i don't i don't know i've always kind of just like been drawn to her like personality um on like social media and she doesn't like i don't know she has kind of like this carefree like spirit like she doesn't really care about you know. um, like, you know, the cameras and the lights and stuff, like, she just kind of just wants to be herself. Um, and also she's, she just has, like, a very, like, similar build to, like, myself, and she talked a little bit about how she used to be insecure about her body, and, like, I feel like we look, like, very similar, and we had some, like, the same struggles, like, mentally that she talked about, and, um, so I feel like there's a lot of things that I, um, see in her that I also see in myself, so I feel like that's probably one of the reasons why I, I really like her.
0: Okay. Well, I asked that too, because I know, and and you mentioned it, like a lot of people are not, uh, especially, well, I see it more in in track and field. And I I sometimes I wonder if it is more of a faith thing, because I feel like I see more people in track and field expressing their faith versus other sports. Um, And I tend to see, especially on social media, track and field athletes are a little bit more open with, everything and i thought about even like recently where something i saw with masai russell who was talking about it's like she took accountability accountability for her technique she was like my speed is there but my technique needs to improve i need to focus on that and then with a thing mo mentioning like she was losing motivation like she's like i really didn't have anything pushing me at this event it's those are the things i like because I feel like it shows all of us who are just everyday, you know, weekend warriors or whatever you want to call us. Like sometimes it's, it's, again, like I said, the motivation is only going to take you so far. And a lot of people will get on social media and fake that and, or they'll make excuses. They won't take accountability. They will only post the good things. And if, and if The proof is out there that they didn't succeed or had a bad day. They'll come up with a reason why it didn't work other than, you know, maybe I didn't work hard enough behind the scenes or I didn't take it as serious as I should have. So um, that's why I always ask, because I know some people, some people, whether it's an ego thing or they're just um, just not mentally there, they don't look up to other people. They feel like it's almost a negative to look up to somebody um, especially that's competitive in their their sport or their distance whatever it may be event um, yeah
1: definitely
0: so as we wrap it up then here is there anything any last word you have anything you'd like people to know like anything you have coming up uh any event or anything um if you want to share any social media that you know if somebody wanted to follow you the, the mic is yours to say whatever you want <laughs>
1: Um, no, I don't, I don't, um, really have like any, um, big things going on or anything like that. Um, but no, I just, yeah. Um, thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, getting to kind of, um, dig a little bit deeper into my story and everything, um, for social media, um, it's at Risa underscore Justine. Um, I'm not like on social media all the time. I'm just not like a big, you know, social media personality type person. I'm kind of introverted, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I just, just want to thank you for for having me.
0: Well, I thank you. I always, you know, I try to, again, bring people on that I feel like have stories or experiences that others can relate to. Um, obviously, we're not going to Oregon. A lot of people I know are not be- working towards becoming a doctor, yeah. Um, you're, you're doing big things, you've done big things, um, uh, but you're still humble and, um, you know, you don't let pride get in the way. You realize that, you know, we all, we like you said, things have to work in our favor. You can, uh, I, I say it a lot when I was again, I, I'll go back to the whole 5k thing. I was training, I, everything was on point, I felt like I was peaking, and I went to this one race and everything during the week was calm not there was nothing the yeah. morning we get up there were 25 mile per hour wind gusts and it was an out and back course mm-hmm. so i was like well there goes my chance like i'm like the only thing i could think <laughs> of is if i like conserve enough energy in the headwind portion right when we turn around
1: later
0: <laughs> maybe it'll push me <laughs>
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and it ended up being one of the worst races i had actually um it's just one of those things where it's again like you know whatever it is you're trying to get out of life and out of yourself um, you know if that's something you pray for that's something you you hope for he'll find a way to to get that out of you at the the least expected time or place or method Um, yeah Mm-hmm. So I'll put the I'll put your link in the show notes so anyone who wants to follow you they can follow you. Um, again, I thank you for taking the time out because I you got a very busy schedule. And if anything, I, I feel like if you didn't do those things, you'd be one of those people that go stir crazy and you would start <laughs> finding things. Yes. <laughs> like I think of the people that like they retire and then they go back to work because they're like I yeah, was just
1: <laughs> exactly like I'm just I'm too bored. Like I can't stay here half <laughs> the day. yeah uh, Uh, that might be me
0: (laughs) well again um congratulations on everything to this point good luck with everything coming up um thank you again for taking the time out to go on the show and i guess until the next episode guys i don't really have like i know i try to hit you guys with something deep powerful (sighs) i don't really know I, i don't know maybe i'm just it's late i'm tired I don't have anything inspiration for you. All I can say is just be humble. But again, like I said last week, I'll, I'll just follow up with that. Like just have your goals, chase them, work on them. Don't be afraid of failure, bumps in the road. Like she said, she had the injuries, different things. Um, you can still get to where you're trying to go in life. Whatever it may be, if you're in a relationship, you're going to have those up and downs. You're going to have those fights. You guys, just, you know, some people break up multiple times and, and then still stay together. Some people drop classes. Sometimes they they take breaks from school. People quit jobs and go to other countries for a while. Like this is, you don't know what your journey is gonna be, um, but if you have a goal you're chasing, focus on the baby steps to get there, but make sure you stop and acknowledge and cherish the success you have along the way, each time you hit those goals and, and make sure you know I know a lot of people say don't look back but in my opinion it's it's not a bad thing to look back and remember where you came from and how far you have come and realize uh, cuz sometimes when I'm running you know these long races you know I'll say for example it's 100 miles and I'll say oh my god I'm only at mile 60 and then I have <laughs> to I have to stop because I'm I'm like I still got 40 miles to go, but then it's like, yeah, but you just did 60. You could be back at like 20 and still have eight. So, you know, just focus on
1: celebrate the small wins. What's that? Is it celebrate the small wins?
0: Oh yeah, it's that's why this show is (laughs) called the mile you're in because (laughs) I like I tell everybody, it's just like life. You have each day, each week, each month, whatever it is you're going through, that's your mile. You know, yeah. so in your case, when you were doing hurdles, each hurdle that was a different day, a different obstacle in life that you were going through, another injury, whatever it may be. So it, it's all related. It can all be used. Life and sports are very similar. Um, so again, guys, thanks for listening. Please share this with your friends, family, everybody. Let your dogs, cats listen to it. You never know they might like <laughs> Y'all have a good week and I'll hopefully see y'all next week with another episode.
1: Bye. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Mile You're In podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to like, share and subscribe.